last exam of the last course I took, it was, it was right about the end. And there was this question on there that was for a lot of points. <clears throat> and it started out, given the events of Exodus 20, da, 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 and I thought, what in the heck happened in Exodus 20? <laughs> you think you were And the only thing we could use was a Hebrew Bible. And I'm not a Hebrew scholar. <laughs> but I, I excused myself and went up to the library and checked out a Bible there and got to reading it and finally figured out this was the Ten Commandments. That's what we have in Exodus 20. So uh, uh, today I am to talk about the second commandment. Before I do just a couple of brief remarks, I can see that there might be one potential problem in teaching the Ten Commandments like this, which we didn't have in the previous uh, series that we did. Uh, see, when we had the previous, we had all these topics, and it didn't matter what, what uh, order they came in. You know, you do wisdom over here, and understanding over here and love and justice, it didn't matter because we were going to cover them all. So it gave me a great deal of freedom in, in scheduling and so forth. But when you're talking Ten Commandments, it's pretty, at least reasonable, if not important, to take them in order. And so uh, I'm in hopes that this will work out all right. Um, today I am to cover, I said Second Commandment, I meant first. Today I am to cover the negative side of the first commandment. And uh, I want to read what the catechism says about it first of all, and then just hit some of the points that it makes. And, and this is in the uh, larger catechism, this is a long answer. I'm very glad that we didn't have to memorize this RTS, or I'd still be there trying to figure out how to do it. We did have to memorize the shorter catechism, that was bad enough. But uh, in dealing with this, of course, the, uh, the uh, command is, I shall have no other gods before me. And in dealing with this, larger catechism question number 105 says, what are the sins forbidden in the first commandment? Well, that part's pretty easy, but then comes the hard part, which is the answer. The sins forbidden in the first commandment are atheism in denying or not having a god, idolatry, in having or worshiping more gods than one, or any, or any with instead of the true God. Thirdly, the not having or and avouching Him for God, and our God. Fourth, the omission or neglect of anything due to Him required in this commandment. Next, ignorance, forgetfulness, misapprehensions, false opinions, unworthy and wicked thoughts of Him. Next, bold and curious searching into his secrets. Next, all profaneness, hatred of God, self-love, self-seeking, and all other inordinate and immoderate setting of our mind, will, or affections upon other things and taking them off from him in the whole, consulting with, and the next is consulting with the devil and hearkening to his suggestions. And next, making men the lords of our faith and conscience sliding and despising God and his commands, resisting and grieving of his spirit in any respect. <clears throat> that is one answer. <laughs> As I say, I'm glad that... You I'm could have memorized that. Mm -hmm. You could have memorized that. Yeah, right. If you only had to memorize that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, I got my pages on whack here. Wait just a second. I'm not sure just what happened. Here we go. Um, 
Okay, <clears throat> I'm not through. <laughs> Resist, resisting and grieving, resisting and grieving his spirit, discontent and impatience at his dispensations, charging him foolishly for the evils he inflicts upon us, and finally, ascribing the praise of any good we either are, have, or can do to fortune, idols, ourselves, or any other creature. Mercy. Can you imagine? And I'm sure there's some people around the world who actually have memorized the whole thing. Uh, is anything left? Well, the only way I know to adequately cover all these things is simply to take them point by point. And, um, but let me set your minds at ease, just the major points. We're not going to take all of them. We'll be here a long, long time. So let's start at the top. What does the first commandment prohibit? <clears throat> The first one is atheism. Now, this one's pretty easy. However, one might say, no, wait a minute. One argument, I mean, uh, one might say that atheism cannot be a violation of this commandment because not having a God is not the same thing as having another God before God. However, we would respond by saying not giving God his due as God relegates him to a status of insignificance. And it posits the existence of something else more ultimate. Nothingness. Maybe other things, such as luck or chance or something. But at any rate, atheism would make God truly insignificant when the truth is that he is the most significant thing which exists. So being an atheist is one uh, way that a person can violate the command not to have other gods before God. A second thing... Uh, flip side of atheism is idolatry. Uh, one argument says that nothing exists, that's atheism. The other one says a whole bunch of things exist, that is idolatry. And uh, idolatry then mean, does not necessarily mean carving an idol uh, out of wood or stone, but it is putting anything before the worship of God, which God is due, that is idolatry. Um, so if it is God's due for us to worship him one day in seven, but I decide, let's say, for instance, I want to ride my motorcycle this morning because it's a beautiful, warm, uh, sunny day, what is my idol? Hmm? My motorcycle. Uh, you see, you don't have to bow down to something to make it an idol. I'm going to, in just a, just a minute here, at the end of this next paragraph, give you some idle excuses that have been given to me over the years. Uh, I find them interesting, we'll say, every time I run across them. Now, you can put in the place of that motorcycle whatever it is that might cause you to worship God second, and you have your own particular version of idolatry. I, quite frankly, I don't see a whole lot of that in this room. Y'all are, are quite, quite committed to worship and all that sort of thing, but not everybody is. Um, I'm sure that I don't need to get any more particular with you all than I do with myself about the motorcycle for you to understand uh, where that might go. Y'all are all smart people, and you can figure that out for yourselves. Uh, just one brief word, however. Whatever it is that one might think is justification for his idolatry, please do not come back to Adam the next week. 
and say, well, preacher, I wasn't here last week because I was at whatever you think is your stupid justification for being somewhere else, close quote. Am I communicating? I heard that so many times I thought I would die if I heard it one more time. Don't come back and tell Adam I was at so-and-so. Just slink in with your head held, you know, kind of like that and sit, sit in the pew and, and kind of get back to normal. Maybe he wouldn't notice. Speaking of, these are a few of the idols that I have been given over the years uh, why people, quote, couldn't, close quote, be here. You tell me what, what the idol is in each one of these. First one, the children were leaving, the children were here, we had a family reunion, my wife won't go, a relative with in-law died, it was Mother's Day, I was taking, talking to my child, grandchild, about the importance of making good grades. What might be the idol here? Himself. Sir? Himself. No. no family. Well, family. Family. Well, it was himself. That's right. That's right. But but family. I mean, always going to be out. Well, not always either. Family. Family was doing something. I had to go be with family. They put family ahead of God. It becomes an idol. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. How about this one? I was working a night shift. I'm working days now. I just started working. I lost my job. I work during the week now. Sunday is my laundry day. I'm working a different shift. What might this idol be? Work. How about this one? It was raining. It was too hot. It was too pretty. The weather was threatening. It was snowing. I don't go to church in August. I swear that was one. And this one is even worse. My dog is afraid of thunderstorms. I must go sit with it. What is the idol there? Actually, there's two of them. Weather and dog. stupid dog. <laughs> I could not believe it. Here, here I am. Mean, I've spent 20 hours this week working on a sermon. I'm standing there greeting people, and this woman comes out and says, Preacher, my dog is scared of thunderstorms. It looks threatening. I've got to go home. And I'm saying, well, what the heck am I doing here? You have no idea what that kind of stuff does to me. Well, to the ego, yeah, to the to the self. Um, what's the word I want? Self. Um, where you feel good about yourself? Image. Self. -image. Yeah, self self image of the preacher. Don't ever do that. If you're not here, don't go up and say, "I was here because I was somewhere else." Unless you're a death door. Maybe you know you're lying in bed. Think you're gonna die? Scared you will? Scared you won't? That sort of thing. Or have something contagious? Yeah, something contagious. That might be really, really bad contagion. That's right. Uh, how about these? Um, I don't like the preacher. <laughs> I went to see Martha Mitchell over in Pine Bluff. I don't like somebody else in church. I go to church with my new girlfriend now. That one kind of hard. Personalities. I would put that one uh, as as an idol. Outdoor activities, this is a biggie for a lot of people, particularly in our, our uh, culture. It was the first day of, you fill it in, it was the first day of oomph season, deer season, dove season, whatever season, it was the first day. Or it was the middle of oomph season. Or it was the last day of oomph season. Um, I was at a tournament, softball, golf, any of this sound familiar? Um, I was watching a special event on TV. 
We went trail riding on Saturday and we were just too tired on Sunday morning. I don't go to church during season. I was playing golf. My daughter had to play so much softball on Saturday that we just couldn't make it to church on Sunday. Now, if y'all think I made these things up, you're wrong. Every one of these has been given to me or to one of my colleagues, most of them to me. Do you have a file? There it is. <laughs> it's in Word Perfect and it is called very disorganized. And it is called Excuses. Um, about this one. I sleep late on Sunday mornings. I was just too tired. I stay up late on Saturday evenings. Their laziness is the idol. Uh, this one is simply so bad, it's so bad it is simply uncategorizable, if that's a word. Sunday morning is the only time I can get away from my adult child for whom I don't care and who goes to church. <laughs> the child goes to church, so mama stays home so she don't have to, she gets an hour break away from her daughter. Uh, um, let's see if there's any more. Well, let's see, there's a few here. The organ makes me sad. What? Here. The organ makes me sad. This would be my own personal feelings, as you mentioned. Uh, they always talk about money. My car is broken. <laughs> huh? What? I can bless Astro. Well, I go to Sunday school. I went last week. Um, our car was wrecked several weeks ago, so we can't go now. The church is full of hypocrites. Baptists always beat us to the cafeteria. I live clear across town. I'm out of the habit. Uh, I don't want to get in, uh, go just because I'm in the habit. Uh, my bridge group needed a fourth person for a tournament. I don't get much out of church. Uh, and finally, no, two finalists. I don't have to be in church to worship. I can do it in the woods just as well. Besides, I sent my check. And then finally, I love God. I just do it in my own way. But he knows, to which I would add, you better believe he does. He knows. He knows idolatry. The point is, should be obvious, maybe I've been able to too much. Idolatry does not mean sitting there with a chisel and something and a hammer and, and making something pretty and say, this is my God, I'll worship him. The tendency, the, the temptation at least, is there all the time to put other things ahead of God. Many things which are otherwise good. But if they take the place of God in our lives and our hearts, they are not good. In fact, they are idolatrous. And they violate the first commandment. Next in the list of things uh, that are mentioned by the captivity. Not having and avouching him for God. That's some old wording that we don't use much anymore. What it means, though, is that when we say that when we're with, let me give you an illustration. Let's say we're with a group, and somebody, somebody says, well, let's do such and such. And you know that what they want to do is wrong, and you fail up, you know, stand up. How about fail to stand up <laughs> for a godly ethic? and say, no, we should not do that because God's word calls us to such and such. To fail to do that is a violation of the command. Again, here, I'm, I'm using a lot of my own examples here. This one would be uh, riding with the hogs. That's Harley Owners Group, hogs. Uh, I go with them every now and then uh, on the bike, and uh, they ride on Sundays a lot. 
and they skip worship when they do. And I have said something about it. And I got pounced on. In fact, Donald had a, uh, a Harley riding customer come in a uh, month, six weeks ago, and they were talking and, and uh, Donald said, do you know my friend Robert Hayes? And he says, uh, oh yeah, uh, he's, he's that religious guy. Well, you know, every, the, to me, the hog chapter here is so illustrative of our culture here. So illustrative. Because every, every meeting starts with prayer. Every ride starts with prayer. And all they're doing, I think, is saying, God, you're our good luck charm. We sure would like to get back with both wheels down and safe. But when it comes to living under his instructions the rest of our lives, God can just go get lost because we're going to ride our motorcycles. And, and that just, oh, that, that just grates me. It grates me particularly when I'm the only one getting ready to ride who has enough nerve to pray in public. And I have to ask the Lord. I always try to slip in something like, Lord, make us more precious with your blessing or something like that. At least God, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, that is what um, not having or avouching him means. Not standing up for, if you will, God. Not being, not having integrity in our, in, in our own faith enough to say this is where I stand and I don't go where you go. Another one is uh, making men the lords of our faith and conscience. This means that if someone says, well, I know the Bible says such and such, but it, it can't mean that or it cannot be true or Reverend so-and-so who I listen to every Sunday morning getting ready to church says that it doesn't mean that, that we say, oh, okay, that, that says that somebody or something else other than the Word of God is that which determines what I do. And that is making men the lords of our faith and our conscience. Now that doesn't mean that we can't listen to what somebody else says. But for instance, if Adam stands up in the pulpit and he reads a text and he says, now this is what it means, that's a legitimate thing to do. Unless he, said, he says that it means something other than what it does mean, and we submit ourselves to his exposition rather than to what the scripture actually says. Am I communicating the difference? Okay. So everything must be examined by what the scripture has to say. Any questions or comments thus far before we move on? All right. Uh, the next one is discontent at God's dispensations. That sound like two-thirds of a sermon outline. I don't know I remember that one. Dis, discontent with God's dispensations. Just need, a, just need another alliterative word. <laughs> yeah, we'll something else. That'll work for God. <laughs> what this means is this is a refusal to accept God's chastenings as part of his love for us. The fact that we do not like something does not give us freedom to deny God's providence in it. It's a denial of God's providence. If we say, I, I, I don't like this, God could not be involved in this. 
Next one is ascribing things to fortune, idols, or any other creature. In other words, assuming the existence of chance or luck as that which brings about some turn of events in our lives. I've said it before, and I hope that I will, it'll be one of the last things that I say to any public gathering before I die, which is don't say luck. If somebody's leaving to go somewhere, don't say good luck. That's what pagans say, not Christians, because it assumes something bigger than God, something in more, more in control than God, which is working out your life. Don't say good luck. Don't say somebody had bad luck when something bad happens to them. There is no such thing as luck. It's a pagan way to talk. Am I communicating with? Everybody understand what I'm saying? What, what exactly are you saying? That uh, I don't remember. <laughs> don't say look. Uh, and don't talk about chance. Nothing is, is a matter of chance. If it is, God is not in control. If God is not in control, folks, we, 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 we're hurting. If God is not in control, we live in a meaningless universe. Meaningless because there's, it's going nowhere. It's, there's nothing working out. It's just there. Those are things that are proscribed in the First Commandment. Before we go to the next catechism question, which is really pretty short, the answer is I wonder if there's any questions or comments whatsoever about any of the things which I've said here so far this morning. I will say yes, ma'am. What you just said about love, you know, I've heard you forever, so that's been stuck in my mind. So whenever I even read Pick up, please, whenever, now, whenever you talk about luck, yeah. and since I grew up with that, I knew that. So whenever I read a kindergarten book to the kindergartners, I won't even say luck or lucky. Unless it's like in the title, I can't help it. But there is this one book that says My Lucky Day. And it's really hard not to say that when they yeah. can see it. But if it's something in the reading, yeah. I won't even say that there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just that's great. Like I appreciate that. Uh, that's 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 a good example of sort of what I'm talking about. A bit self-consciously about the things that we're talking about, and the things that we will be talking about in future weeks to come, and apply that in daily life. It's a small thing, and Stephanie's not going to consign her soul to hell if she reads the title of the book. But that's going to why do it? Are we pagans or are we Christians? There there aren't any in betweens. You realize that, don't you? So for Christians. Let's talk like it and think like it and act like it. I know Martha, I want to hear about this when I get home. Why don't you act like it? <laughs> Fuel for the fire. <laughs> when we lived in Kansas, the church that we went to had a pot providence on Sundays. They would have pot yeah. yeah, Yeah, I hate the term pot yeah. yeah, I just hate it. Of course, we could just call it fellowship dinner. We'd yeah. sidestep the whole yeah. problem. But. I personally, personally prefer uh, Covered dish, I don't care as long as it's not potluck. How many churches have potluck dinners? Oh, okay, anything else? Anything else? All right, then let's look at the next question, and this will be a good bit shorter than that one was. This one is question 106. And it says, What are we specifically taught by these words before me? But 
these words, quote, before me in the commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. These words before me or before my face in the first commandment teach us, this is the catechism answer, teach us that God, who sees all things, takes special notice of and is much displeased with the sin of having any other God. And so it may be an argument to dissuade from it and to aggravate it as a most impudent provocation, as also to persuade us to do as in his sight whatever we do in his service. In other words, God knows what we do. And what we cannot do, what we cannot, what we do cannot be hidden from God. It's just pure and simple as that. He sees all, he knows all. We can't get away from that. If we think that we can get away with something by saying, well, God will understand, or some such, then we are being impudent there. We are being rebellious there, rebellious against God. Not to mention the fact we're just being flat out ignorant because God sees everything. How can a Christian think that God does not know everything he does? I just can't see it. Now, that said, let me say this. The catechisms are part of the constitution of our church. What does a constitution do? United States Constitution, the intercom. Tell me what a constitution is or what it does. Somebody, anybody. I tell my students it's a written plan of government. what? A written plan of government. A written plan of government. That's exactly right. What authority does it have? Constitution as a, a general thing? No, as a specific thing. Well, yeah, general. Okay, yeah. Any constitution. Any constitution has the, the power. Um, what we're looking at is, is the power of God. What uh, you know, most of these are looking at, we're talking about the people have agreed to give up some of their own power to give it um, to, to live underneath uh, an, an authority. That is exactly right, authority. The Constitution is the authority for a particular group of people. The United States Constitution is the authority for the United States. And so when we say that something is unconstitutional, we mean that it goes against that, which is the recognized authority of the United States, right? And if there's an argument about that, where ideally does that argument go to get settled? Supreme Court. Supreme Court. And ideally, not always, but ideally, they're going to say the Constitution calls us to do this or that, and they're going to be right. Now, sometimes, as in the case of Roe v. they're not right, but that's a whole other issue. But ideally, they're going to be right, and they're going to say this is what the Constitution says. Therefore, if a state or a county or something else enacts a law which goes against that, that is null and void. It's no good. The point is that a Constitution determines what the people of a state must do to be legal, legal, and in the church, a constitution determines what the church's position is to be. Um, what people, at least some people in it, are to think, and how they are to act. Now, I put it that way because this. While, while this is part of our constitution, it does not demand that all of you in here believe certain things. It does not demand that everyone in this room, for instance, 
uh, be a predestinarian, even though it teaches it. It does demand that some of us in here, however, be predestinarians. Who would those some of us be? You know. Hmm? You know. Really? That's a start. The authorities in the church. Who else? The authorities in the church. And they are who? Mm. Pastor and the deacons and the elders. Deacons and elders and the pastor. That's right. We take a vow to uphold the to, to acknowledge the larger and the shorter catechisms and the book of church order as the constitution of the church. Therefore the, the catechisms tell us what to believe, the book of church order tells us what to do, and the officers of the church are committed to that, whether we like it or not. And if we don't like it, then our option is either try to get it changed. Good luck with that. I know. I did it. I did it. So I know. <laughs> or resign. That's it. But don't be like the guy one time. I was doing an evening service. It was kind of informal like this. And I said something about what the book church order requires the officers to do, in this case it was the elders to do. And one of the men there said, well, if we didn't know about that, we never would have gotten this outfit, meaning the PCA. But uh, he didn't have enough gumption or integrity to resign. He went on griping about the fact that, well, he didn't gripe much, he just told me to sit down and shut up. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, now, this, it is binding on the officers, that is, the deacons and the elders. The rest of you are not. It is hoped that you will all agree with everything in the Constitution, but the point is, this is the Constitution of our church. Um, Can I interrupt for a second? Yes, please. Add one other thing, too, which is just that we want to remind everybody as we're going through this, we do what we're saying when we have this as our Constitution is we're saying that we as officers in the church believe that this is what the Bible teaches. So it's not like we submit ourselves to the catechism because it's higher than Scripture. Yeah. But it's, it's under Scripture. And so if the catechism doesn't actually teach some of these things, if some of these things are not valid deductions from what the text says, then we should, as officers, really should try to get it changed. And we really should go to the Presbyterian and say, hey, the, the, you know, we disagree with this. Um, but the reason why the Bible is not part of our church constitution is because it can't be changed. Yeah. Because it's higher than our church constitution. And so what we're reading here is a subservient document to the scripture. We That's believe it's just opening it up and explaining it better for us. Thank you. I should have thought to mention that. I just read out didn't. But that's exactly right. The Bible is not part of our Constitution because constitutions are amendable. The Bible is not. Uh, thank you very much for that, that word. That was a good word. All right. So these... These, this position, these things, if, if I have told them to you correctly, everything that I've told, let's put it this way, everything that I've said to you, which is in accord with these two answers, questions and answers this morning, are binding on the officers and they are excellent instruction for the rest of us. And I would hope that we would all uh, say, well, you, I'm supposed to do that because this is the position of our church. Now, all this said, who can go very long without breaking this command in about a hundred different ways? We can't do it. 
I suppose hypothetically we could go for a little bit without it, but we're just gonna do something that's gonna cross the line here sooner or later. It'll probably be between the time we leave this room and get into church for another trip. Uh, we can't help it, we just do it, we sin. But all of these things Jesus has taken care of for those who are his people. That's my point. And so how much more should this cause us to appreciate what it means when we say that we are saved by grace? What this means is we are saved, yes, even me. I am saved by grace. And if that be the case, then we should be very careful to live as God directs. Questions or comments? Well, a few minutes if anybody's interested in pontificating a bit. Let me just say all of the, and I kind of made this point last week, so it's a little repetitive, but all of the commandments, in a sense, sort of get distilled down into this one. I mean, if you just kept, if you just kept boiling the pot, this is the one you'd find in the bottom that all of them really connect to. That's good. Keeping That's the other true. commands is one of the ways that we keep this command. That's true. You know, I will say one other thing, too, since we've got this couple of we live, We live in a culture which does not know how to think ethically. It just flat out doesn't. People say, I know what works. That's what, I, that's what we ought to do. I don't care what works. It's not right. Or I feel like we should do this or that. We should do it because I feel it. Right. I don't care what feels, as long as it's right or wrong. Um, um, are you are you getting where I'm going with this about how how we think as a culture about right and wrong? How about uh, men should not have anything to do with decisions about abortion because they aren't women? Um, how about uh, I think that quote gay close quote marriage should be allowed because it is has been declared to be by the Supreme Court the law of the land. I don't care about any of these things. I only care about one thing, and that's right or wrong. And so my question to you is, where are we going to be told what's right or wrong? That's a question for you to answer. Hmm? The Bible. The Bible, thank you. There's no other place for Christians. That's it. And so when we hear people say the kinds of things that I just told you, you may shake your head and go off, oh, I can't believe that guy's so stupid or something like that. But understand, folks, for the Christian, it doesn't matter what works. It doesn't matter what the outcome is going to be. It doesn't matter what you feel or something like that. The only thing that matters is what does the Word of God say. That is it. That's the absolute. You remember I've told you before, God is the absolute, which gives meaning to the particulars of life. Particulars of life, particulars of life are such things as homosexual marriage. Particulars of life are such things as abortion. There's such things as the necessity to steal in order to uh, not starve. The uh, self-defense, all of these things are the particulars of life. God is the absolute which determines right or wrong. And the Christian does not need to go around saying, well, it seems to me like we should, mm -mm -mm. doesn't matter what it seems to you like. Remember, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Read that in Jeremiah. The, the application is you can't even know your own heart. And if you can't know your heart, 
and I can't know my heart, then I've got but one place to go to determine what's right or wrong, and that's the Scripture. And so that is part of why we're studying the Ten Commandments. This is basic ethics. Ethics is a study of right and wrong. That's what this is, basic ethics. And I hope that you will get that in here and in here by the time this is over so that we will never, ever say, well, it seems to me like I'm do this, or it seems to me like whatever, or it feels like, doesn't matter. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you were going to yawn or something like that. Uh, you were I did an inhale. I did an inhale. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Is it easy to do that? No. Not in the culture in which we live. Not in most cultures. But if we say, well, God will understand, or a man's got to do what a man's got to do, or something like that, we've crossed the line, folks. And that is not where we want to be. If there's nothing else, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this time together. We're grateful that you have not left us wondering what to do to be right in your sight, but that you have given us, O oh Lord, your holy word. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we go through this, this uh, lesson series on your Ten Commandments, that we would come better to understand what it means to be and to live like people who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and are now members of your family, adopted into your family by grace. Be with us, I pray, as we go into worship now. May all that we do say and think there accrue the honor and the glory of our Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.